0: I'm gonna preach a different sermon in this service. I'm so, I'm so stirred up. You know, he's worth it. He's worth it. You know, God's not trying to give you a platform. He's trying to give you influence. And influence will always come through opposition. Some of the people right now that are closest to you in your life will be your biggest opposition that you face. God loves to open up people's eyes to who is opposing him in the spirit. Remember that prophet in the Old Testament that could see into the camp of the enemy? He loves to show you who's against you and then to test you with it to see how you're going to respond to it. We have so desperately turned the message of the gospel into a therapeutic counseling session in a lot of churches to where we're shaking like a leaf and we're just barely hanging on and we just want someone, even if it's not biblical, just give me some form of Jesus that just makes me feel a little bit better. And when I read the gospels, they interpret me more than I interpret them. In other words, it gives me my worldview. If I get my worldview from anywhere other than Jesus Christ, I'm already losing. You see, the difference in being in the kingdom and being a fan of Jesus is in the kingdom, his reality must become your reality, my reality. I cannot imagine being in a place with God where I had no scorecard to know whether I'm winning or losing. That is a recipe for paranoia. How do you know where you are with the Father? Because we have lots of different answers to this. Well, I said yes to his blood. His blood covers me and I'm clean in his eyes. That is an absolute fact if you're in Christ. Small problem, God opposes his own children. He gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. You can be in Christ, become proud, he will oppose you. He anoints Saul, names Saul over Israel and then takes Saul throne from him. little Bambi Jesus that we've created in our minds, we say that can never happen because God's always in a happy mood. Well, five of the seven uh, letters in the book of Revelation, he's not happy with the church. That's in Revelation. If you read Paul, we should probably read Paul. Paul gets pretty angry at the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus. You say, well, we we become so, um, so, we, we fall apart too easily. Somebody looks at us wrong, we fall apart. And this generation despises authority more than any generation who has been on the church, in the church in the West. We are beginning to despise authority. We hate authority. Well, it's mind-boggling because the New Testament deals mostly with authority. Heavenly authority and delegate authority on the earth. We don't like either. And what he wants me to talk about this morning, this ought to be fun, is a lot of us believe that we are in a season of warfare when we're not in a season of warfare we're actually opposing God and we have God and the enemy confused this doesn't make me happy what I'm about to talk about I'm not like I mean this morning was fun nine o'clock was fun it was fun this ain't gonna be fun but if I'm nothing but a fun dad to Sam and Ruthie and Jack then I'm gonna enable them just to continue their orphanhood into their 80s. Joe Reynolds is uh, an intern here at Bridgeway and someone that God has his hand upon like so many other people here. And I'm in a season where me and some others are mentoring him. And he gave me a word this week. I was like, man, that is just so spot on. He said, Chad, the banner that you carry in your life is friendship with God. And I'm like, yeah. And he said, the banner that your wife carries is the fear of the Lord. And I'm like, that's a fact. And as soon as Joe said that, the father said, Chad, I'm taking you in the seasons where you and Wendy are flip-flopping. Right now, is the happiest. I, mean, I have not seen my wife laugh this much the last few months. And I have, I've, been, I've known this woman 22 years. And I have never had a seriousness come on me like it is in the last few months. And you'll hear me say a lot, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. And that is so true. But God is serious. And He's serious about sin. He's serious about holiness. And He is really serious about something that He has held dear to His heart since before the world began. Have you ever considered the fact that the oracles of God even were established before mankind was? Like God's not in process like we are. <laughs> he's not trying to figure things out. To where I know Gabriel stands in his presence, but he never looks at Gabriel and's like, "Hey, can we talk for a second? I'm kind of off right now." <laughs> he's not. In, he's not. He is the most secure person I've ever met, and one of the most frustrating things and I'm saying this before him, is my chief desire in life is to be really good friends with the Father, with Jesus, and Holy Spirit. And that is is very noble and it's very awesome. But the problem with that is the closer you get to God, the more his expectations for that person who wants that change. Like in other words, you can't be really good friends with him and keep um, living your life like you once did. The number one commandment in the Satanic Bible is do whatever thy wilt. The number one commandment in the kingdom of God is you have no more rights. We watched um, Everest yesterday. You ever watch that movie and you get literally physically colder while you're watching it? So what I did is I watched Castaway last night. So I watched Everest and Castaway in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> BB looked at us yesterday, and it's like, I'm freezing. When I when I saw in the IMAX theater, I kept checking my pulse. I'm like, my pulse is going down. I am freezing. And when you climb up Everest, only 4,000 people have made it to the top. And over 200 have died. 4,000 people since 1953. And the last zone that when you get to the summit is called the death zone. Well, there's a death zone in the kingdom. You see, you can believe in God and admire God. You cannot live on the summit, Psalm 24, climb the mountain of God, if you have any more rights left. If you have an opinion about your own life and what he's asking you to do, then you can live at base camp. You'll go to heaven when you die, but you'll never live on the summit. There's only one scorecard on the summit of the Everest of God. There's only one, Luke 9, 23. Any man desires to follow me, let him pick up his cross, pick up his cross, deny himself, follow me. You have no more rights. Become my disciple, deny yourself. Denial and death is the number one attribute of living on the summit. You see, a lot of people want to get a global anointing and to hear God like some of these famous people. You don't need an anointing. You need to learn how to get to the summit and stay there. Because when you get to the summit, you see what others can't see. You experience God. You hear God. I, if the father told me to leave Bridgeway today, I would not even finish my sermon. I'm out of here. If he told me to move to Haiti, I'm gone. If he tells me to stay here another 90 years, I'm I'm here. I gave up rights a long time ago. I despise base camp. And see, success at the summit is not like success at the base camp. You know that you can have a mega church and you don't need God? Well, So what's successful? I'm a pastor. What's successful? I had lunch a few months ago with a pastor of an enormous church. In the conversation three or four times, he talked about how he wanted the church to grow. God told me to keep my mouth shut. You see, the closer Jesus Christ got to the cross, the fewer disciples he had. If I evaluate the effectiveness of my life by how many people are for me, then I can't identify with Jesus because even his own mother turned against him. They thought he was crazy. When you go to the summit, you can't go with a lot of people. You go alone, and when you're alone, you have more time with God. When you have more time with God, you have more time to build friendship. Fasting and consecration is a staple of the summit. You cannot climb the mountain of God, Psalm 24, 1, and fasting, consecration, not be a part of your lifestyle. Not going to happen. At the summit, when you watch a movie and they say a word that you might have even laughed about four months ago, and you hear that word and it offends your spirit, man, you know you're at the summit. There's telltale signs of how you know you're at the summit of God. Can we go to Psalm 41, excuse me, Psalm 24? I know I didn't give that to you guys. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? What is the mountain of the Lord? What is he talking about here? You see, the mountain of God is when you leave base camp and you say, Father, I want to get one thing straight with you. I'm not asking you for a destiny. I'm not even asking you for clarity. I'm not asking you to give me anything. I'm just coming where you are. And if you're on the top of the mountain and the air's thinner and it costs me more, then I'd rather identify with a Paul and Silas and get flogged Then live at base camp. When Moses came down the mountain, he said to Aaron, What in the world are y'all doing? Well, we wanted to worship the Lord, and so we turned this. How do I know I am having success in my walk with God? Do you ever ask yourself this question? Let's just get real. I'm talking to family today. You know how you're having success in your job. Let's not make it so ambiguous. We have metrics for everything. We struggle with metrics of how we're doing with God. There is one aspect of the metric that trumps any other aspect of the metric that can answer this question. There's only one. There's only one question that I must ask myself if I truly desire to know where I stand with God on. Are we winning right now? It's like Moses said when he's about to, to do his thing in leadership. He's like, hey, last thing before we do this. If you don't go with us, I'm not going he said I'll go with you and then to the one that Moses mentored he told Joshua wherever you go I'll be with you even when he's with you how do you know if you're winning I want to tell you a story there was this man in the Bible and he was fascinating committed murder he had a passionate and scandalous affair And he led Israel to 40 years of peace and prosperity, which is unheard of in the history of civilization. He was a mighty man. He had mighty men around him. People feared him. Even the prophet Samuel said, there you are. It's like the movie Hook. There you are, Peter. Saul would end up bowing the knee to this mighty man. This mighty man, David, would have a son. The son was a little more complicated than the father. And that's saying a lot. And this son, boy, you talk talking about going in the pig pen. He took his inheritance and just had all kind of fun. I'm being facetious. And then he gets to the end of his life, and I love this. I love blunt people. I love it. People think I'm rough all the time. Or I'm, just, I'm not rough. I'm actually a tender teddy bear. I'm just real blunt. I get it from my grandfather. This is what Solomon says at the end of his life. This is Ecclesiastes 12. Look at this. He sums his whole life up in Ecclesiastes 12. Do you have it? 12:13. 12, 13. Just imagine Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. <laughs> Remember your creator. There we go. Now all has been heard. I love this. This is like, listen, I'm out of here. I got one more thing to say. All has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. Do you know that you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ one day? We'll teach on this in February. I'm not talking about whether or not you go to heaven. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to show you this in scripture. You're going to be held accountable not to the great things that you did in your life. You're going to be held accountable to how obedient you were to what God called you to do. Eternity's a long time. There's only one way to know if you're having success with God. Are you obedient to what he has asked you to do? You see, many people are going to get up there and say, I did amazing things in your name. I don't care if you can raise the dead. If you're being disobedient to what God's asked you to do, you are not standing in opposition of the enemy. You are standing in opposition to the armies of the living God. The fear of the Lord is a terrible and wonderful thing. Abram. Yes, who are you? I am Jehovah. I'm going to cut covenant with you. This is going to get very interesting. I need you to do a couple things. I need you to pick up your family and go to the land in which I will show you. And I'm going to give you a nation. Squeeze me. What? Pardon me. I love when God, God is so, a lot of people, you know how that first date when you're just like, let's just take it slow and get, or maybe it's just a friendship. Let's just start slow. God, he's kind of like the opposite. Gideon, you valiant warrior. going to cut your army to 300 and there's going to be blood everywhere. <laughs> Abram, listen, no big deal. You're the father of a nation. Father Abraham. And he probably sang the song over him. <laughs> had many sons and many sons had father Abraham. I need you to leave your place and this is going to get weird. Go now. Go, go. <laughs> um, Abraham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your name. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. It's going to be awesome. Okay, Jehovah, it's a polytheistic society. I've known a lot of other gods in my existence, but apparently you're a little bit different and you can't see well. Let me tell you about Sarah. She's nine million years old. She can't have a baby. Um, I'm gonna, um, yeah, it's gonna happen. A lot of you um, beat yourself up for struggling with your faith. The father of our faith Uh, Even cheated on Sarah. This thing down here, it's not easy. This whole God story. Abraham got a word. Putting it lightly. And still struggling. God's still good in the middle of it. And so here's this baby. Isaac. firstborn. It's pretty awesome. Abraham, you remember me? Yes, I remember you. Uh, So it's going to get a little tricky. I need you to strap. Isaac to a donkey take him to the top of a mountain and I need you to kill him and I need this to be pretty graphic I need you to kill him sacrifice him think think sacrifice Abraham and here's what the father of your faith did because even in the middle of his mess and doubts he was an obedient man immediately without processing it with Sarah he takes Isaac to the top of the mountain and only then does the ram appear in the thicket I do not care if when you sing, people fall down and they're bawling, crying, or when you pray for people, an arm grows out of a socket. I do not care if you're more prophetic than anyone who's ever walked the face of the earth. Disobedience puts yourself in a position to get into the category of opposition from God. Obedience puts you in the category of sonship and daughtership. A lot of you in here, you beat yourself up. Because you've made some mistakes in your past. And some of them recent. But you don't give yourself enough credit. Because even in the middle of your own mess. And your own ragamuffinness, When God tells you to do something. You do it. God's going to call some of you to move to Clemson, South Carolina. To help plant this church. I'm not recruiting you. I don't know who you are. He's just showing me right now. You can stay here and you can worship. People can watch watch you worship. And you can just Walking all kinds of signs and wonders, everybody wants them signs and wonders. Why do you not want obedience more than you want anything? If God told you to go on a forty day fast, would you do it? If God told you to give someone fifteen hundred dollars, would you do it if you knew if you knew it's God, some of you are saying God's calling me to move to the Bahamas Lord God Almighty. <laughs> God's looking for friends. God does not care about worship styles like we think. There's one thing on God's core value list. He had a consultant come in. It's in heaven. It's above his desk. And it says my core values. And there's one. And it's obedience. I'd rather pastor a church to where we have to move. I might be prophesying this. To where we have to move two services into one of a thousand obedient people than just a big church where we just really, there's not much of the fear of the Lord. If you do not value natural realm authority on the earth, I'm telling you, you're not going to enjoy Bridgeway. You would be better off leaving now. And do not read Paul. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. Don't read Paul. Um, And God asked me, he said, why do you think you're having success in your life? I said, I don't know. He says, because you honor Jack and Amanda Hancock. You see, God calls us to things that aren't suggestions. They're his oracles. They don't move. And when you oppose them, I don't care if you've seen blind eyes open. He will oppose you. When you stand before him one day, you're not going to be held accountable based upon how wise you were, how much revelation you got, or even how powerful you are. You're going to be held accountable to how obedient you were to what God asked you to do. It is more terrifying to have God oppose you than the enemy. It only takes one angel in Revelation to throw the enemy into the lake of fire. It is a terrible and dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He gives grace to the humble. You know what humility is? It's Gideon. It's David. It's Abraham. The highest form of pride is me saying, God, I know a little bit wiser than you. And so I'm going to still serve you, but I'm kind of just going to do my own thing and, and not do what you're telling me to do. This is what Aaron did that Moses couldn't believe he did. They even put spiritual language on it of why they made the gold, why they made the earrings into a statue. They even put slimy Christian language, Israeli language on it. They acted like they were serving God. It's despicable, and disobedience is the highest form of, let's just call it what it is, treason in the kingdom. Adam and Eve committed treason, handed the keys that were given to us to the enemy. The Father sent Jesus Christ back to the earth to take back from the enemy and give it to us. But the principle that's in Eden still applies now. Will you do what I've commanded you to do? This comes out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Not snuggle Jesus, not buddy Christ Jesus. Let's go to uh, John. Yeah, I think John 14, but don't, I think. The one I gave you guys where. Yeah. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, if that were not so, what I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way of the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on you do not know him. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, that'll be enough for us. Jesus said, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father, how can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, and the words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his works? Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I'll do it. If you love me, if you love me, if you love me, if you love me, then keep my commands. This word commands here is not just what he's written down, This translates across the cross into your life. It's what he's commanded you in the Logos written word and what he's commanding you now in your life. We all have the same calling and that's to grow in our identity of who we are in Christ. But we all have different assignments. Calling and assignments are not the same thing. I want to be crystal clear. I've never preached this in my life. Disobedience to an assignment is demonic. We have so... Many opinions. It is a dreadful thing to step. You would be better off and never going to the summit. You'd be better off staying at base camp. Once you go to the summit and you're with the summit, when he tells you to do something and you don't do it, it's not good. I gave a prophetic word the other at staff meeting last week. It just flowed out of my spirit and I said, When a dog gets taken off of a leash, that's the highest form of friendship with the owner. But the wiggle room for mistakes is a lot less. If I'm on a leash, then the owner can just stop me before I run into a car. But if I'm not on a leash, the expectations of the owner is I've been trained enough that where if the command is given and the dog doesn't listen, the dog is going to die or get hurt or get maimed. You'd be better off staying at base camp. Be careful before you cry out for deep friendship with God. You know that God will not put his hands and bless on something that is full of Disunity? You would be better off just saying, Father, I do love you and I do think you're kind, Romans 2.4, but also I fear you. His kids take their lives into their own hands all the time because they've been disobedient, not to a mysterious word, to a clear word. A clear word in Scripture and a clear word he's told them. Typically, God will make it faint. If he really wants you to do something, he'll bring a man of God or a woman of God into your midst and they'll tell you to do that. He, he will give you five, six, seven times but what happens is Satan comes in and he dulls our hearts and he dulls our minds and we think it's no big deal I don't really know if this is God. Give me a break. He's put it into the hearts of every man to hear his voice. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know my name. You had people prophesying and writing books about the last political election. Like we, we a lot of times we make God, we act like we can't hear him when he wants you to do something related to your assignment, from Scripture, look at how obvious he makes it. Disobedience. I, am, I, am a, I would rather just not be here anymore than to call myself his son, but to be disobedient. I remember when we trained, we had a black lab one time named Luther, and we trained him. This dog, he had the intelligence of a little pee on pee on his best day. And I, just, I trained him, and I trained him with a long leash, and then it went to a shorter leash. And Luther just couldn't get it, but finally he got it. We had Sam. Luther went to live on 300 acres up near Traveler's Rest. And I heard from the owner that when Luther got there, it made me such a proud daddy. When Luther got there, he was the weakest dog out of the eight. Within six months, he was the the leader of that pack. God showed me it all went back to how I trained him early on. You see, the consequences are higher the longer you walk with God. When Simon Peter was young, he went wherever he wanted to go. But when he got older, he had no rights. When you get to the summit, you don't have any rights. I cannot tell you the last time I asked the Father what I should do. It's just an understanding with me and him. He, When he gives the command, I'll do it. But this doesn't fit well with the Buddy Christ message. It doesn't fit well. Yeah, bro. Yeah, man. I don't know, bro. It doesn't fit well. We've lost a sense of the fear of the Lord. We'll preach on it soon. The father told me about a month ago. He said, I'm not getting your first fruits financially. I, I, hadn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. And I said, okay, well then show me. I was tithe. I was giving my first fruits, my first 10% of my income off my net and not my gross. I never, honestly, never really thought about it. He spent the next two weeks teaching me stuff. I was like, this is amazing. I've started giving off my gross. That's not a command that I read in uh, Deuteronomy 8. It's a command that he gave me. It was a rhema command. There's Logos commands and rhema commands. Well, can we put the John fourteen fifteen or whatever it was, the last verse? The commands there is not just relegated to what, you know, the 10 commandments, it's, if you love me, keep my commands. It's not what he commanded. It's what he's commanding. And when you get fresh revelation, you're held accountable not, to, not on what you've heard, on what you've done. So Jesus gives a word to two people and said, a storm is coming. One person built their house on a rock and one person built their house on the sand. Both people heard the exact same word. One did what he said and one didn't. One got squashed. A lot of people in the kingdom of God, when they get up to the summit, think that the enemy is squashing them. It's not the enemy. You have squashed yourself because you've placed yourself under the hand and you have opposed God. God is not um, iffy about obedience. There's only one determining factor of how I know I'm deep friends with God. It's not my passion. Satan was passionate in heaven. disobedience got him kicked out of heaven disobedience can get you kicked out of your assignment See, the judgment seat of Christ is not about my calling you can go to heaven and spend forever with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever what you're gonna be judged upon is your obedience I can prove this all throughout the New Testament some of us need to quit reading so many charismatic writers that only write on one bent of Scripture which is extreme grace and need to actually go read the Bible for ourselves have we considered to read the Bible for ourselves? Chad, you sound mean. No, I just sound serious. It's 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 sobriety. I would rather have the real God than some god I've made up in my mind. Anyone not submitted to someone on this earth is in rebellion. And someone that says I don't need to be submitted to anybody, I'm just submitted to God, you're in rebellion. Psalm 91 doesn't play out if you're not submitted to someone. If young people would understand that authority is to, to, to help them and to preserve them and to protect them and not to control them, your life can change in one moment. Your life can change in one moment. One moment. Father asked me this morning. He said, are you okay if I shrink Bridgeway for a little bit? I said, I'm okay with whatever you want to do. I don't care what you want to do. We're planting Clemson and... um." I want some people, the Father wants some people to go with them. And there's four or five other things that I'm going to announce in January, and they all happen in November. When I gave that prophetic word uh, about a year ago, about November, I thought, well, who was it that reminded me of this? Was it you, Shauna? It was Adam. I was like, oh, my heavens, because I gave that big word about November, and I didn't know what it meant a year ago. Well, we're about to put our hands to four or five things, and I'm like, God, you are so opposite than what I was thinking. I don't know what I thought was going to happen in November. We're, we're, we're about to go into a multiplication season. And see, in the kingdom, he is not... The way that God is wired is very different from the church in the West. We judge success by how many people are giving money, who's sitting in the seats, and how much we're growing. God judges success by the Peter, James, and John principle. Who are we sending out to go multiply this thing all over the world? Judea, Samaria, everywhere. Even being obedient to Jesus Christ will oppose the normal model of the church in the West. Why didn't Jesus take 10,000 up on the mountain to see Jehovah God, Moses, and Elijah? Can you imagine that at a conference? Hey, what what did God do at the conference? He appeared and Moses and Elijah were there. Smoke. And Simon Peter said, let's build tabernacle, which that's so funny to me. But why am I bringing this up? Because the way God looks at things is different than the way we're wired to look at things. He viewed success as take the three most influential disciples, show them something I'm not going to show the other nine, train them, flip the keys to Peter, and multiply this thing. You see, I'm not counting success even at Bridgeway, how many people we can get in these doors. I'd rather impact the globe than get another 500 people in these doors. And and I'm not trying to be funny at all, at all, at all. If I don't excrete my food every once in a while, I'll become toxic and die. A lot of churches think they're growing in community. They're actually growing in disunity. They're becoming bloated, sick, and toxic. And when local bodies will not excrete, you can be successful in the Western eyes, but you're not being biblical. What's not excreting in the kingdom is not biblical. Jesus never built a huge ministry off of the miracles. He was always getting out of the way. He's always working himself out of a job. Bridgeway will be judged upon obedience to what he's shown the elders of what we're going to do. I'm going to be judged upon obedience of whatever he's asking me to do. And here's what's so awesome about this, as he takes me off a leash. I've never been happier in my life. The enemy is so crafty. You watch the movie Everest and you think that the the death zone is miserable. Those people experience something that nobody else can. You can't take it from them. Paul and Silas are locked up and they're like, why why is Paul not running to get away? Because he's got joy. You see, there's joy in suffering. The charismatic church has a very low view of suffering in the kingdom. Let's close with this. In, John, in James chapter 1, look at this. In James chapter 1, this is what it says. Be of good cheer. Be of good joy when you're facing trials of many kinds. Let perseverance do its work. There is more trials on the summit than there is at base camp. You don't need an oxygen mask at base camp but there's more perspective of God and yourself at the summit. I've got two minutes. I buried a good friend. Me and Roy Giese were part of this funeral. Roy preached it. A lot of people got born again. I think about him not every Sunday, but almost every Sunday. I can still see Carl right here. You know, all of us lose people close to us. But when you lose a really good friend, it's just different, let's be honest. And I've thought more about heaven since Carl's death than I have in probably a decade. Think about this. Let's say that your assignment on the earth is is difficult. Would you rather live for the reward of all eternity or just flounder around at base camp for down here? i I think this is why paul got excited matter of fact the father show me right now there's one time when paul said "Uh, listen if it was up to me i'd be there but for your benefit i'm staying a lot of people are scared to death to die scared to death to die imagine what if what if it's true that your obedience to your assignment here affects forever you'd probably be a little more encouraged to be obedient I want Bridgeway to grow into an awareness of an eternal perspective. What if we lived our lives not for down here? You know, I think about Paige. I think about Joseph being a father and a mother to our students. Instill in our students the proper concept that they will be held accountable throughout all eternity for what the fathers is assigning for them to do. Watch, watch how easier it is to parent a student ministry when the kids have an eternal perspective. The fifth commandment honor your father and mother. First commandments don't ever put anyone above the Lord your God. There are oracles and principles in place God's not budging on. And one of the ones at the top of the food chain is he values obedience more than your worship, more than your giving, more than your clean mouth, more than... He can take a lot of people who actually worship character and they never really do anything of their lives. Their, their life is made up about the sins they're avoiding. If he asks you to do something, how fast will you take Isaac to the top of that mountain? Man, he's worth it, isn't it? Let's stand up together. We won't be here long. James says we won't be here long. Can I tell you this? If you're walking in unforgiveness right now towards someone, is it really worth it? Let's be objective. This is not a prophetic word. Is it it really worth it? You really want to open up the demonic realm to your life? Maybe you need to forgive someone today. Maybe you need to forgive someone today. If God is calling you to do something, you know change is coming, do this. Tell him yes before you even know the details. Just say, yep, that sounds good to me. Uh, Lindsay Sigmund's back in town for a while and she does not know what her next assignment is. And she texted me the other day, her next assignment could be somewhere in California. You know the proper answer? Does it really matter? Answer's yes. Yep. Yeah, sounds good to me. In the name of Jesus, may you and your family value obedience more than anything in the world. May you know that deep friendship with God is all about how obedient can you be to your sovereign Lord and King, Master of the universe, in Jesus' name, amen.